Well, this is always one of my favorite hours of the whole year when we get together on Christmas Eve and we sing the songs, we light the candles, we read the scripture, and we rehearse the story that the team's been leading us through so well. That this God who made the world and everything in it, he pierced heaven and earth and he made a way. The light came into the darkness. The Son of God became the Son of Man. And I don't know how many Christmas Eves this is for you, but I hope we never tire of the wonder and awe of the story. I'm grateful for nights like tonight where we get together and we just pause and through a multiplicity of ways, just say, God, you are amazing. And I'd like to reflect together with you now for the next few minutes out of Luke chapter 2, the message I've entitled, God's Rescue Mission. Because you know, that's really what Christmas is about. This is really God's night. It's God's story. It's God's son. It's God's declaration. It's God's mission. And it's a rescue mission. He's come to save. He's come to heal. He's come to restore. He's come to redeem. He's come to set things new. This is an amazing message. And Luke chapter 2, Luke was a physician. Dr. Luke, he outlined a few details about how this birth came about. I want to look at three phrases from God's rescue mission from Luke's pen And you can follow along with me up here on the screen. We're going to begin reading verse 1, Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This would be the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now notice how the birth of Jesus isn't introduced to us in a once upon a time kind of story format. You know the once upon a time stories that we appreciate so much, the great stories, movies and legends and myths are born in once upon a time. Luke grounds Jesus' announcement of his birth in, he doesn't begin once upon a time myth and legend, he begins with, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree and and Quirinius, he he was governor of Syria and, and there was a census being taken of the entire Roman world. Luke grounds the announcement of Jesus' birth in history because this Jesus actually came this way at this time for this purpose. This isn't once upon a time myth and legend. This isn't just we light the candles and we sip hot chocolate and we exchange gifts and we all get together. As wonderful as all those things are, Luke wants to say, hey, let's not forget what we're remembering tonight actually occurred. Jesus came in this way, at this time, for this purpose. And that news has some really significant implications for your life and mine tonight. So let's continue seeing what Luke has to say about it. Jump down to verse 8 with me. Here's what he said happened. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What What do shepherds do? That's what shepherds do. They're doing what they normally do. They're out in the fields. They're tending the animals, they're taking care, and then there's an interruption to their normal evening chores. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Not your average night of doing chores, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, an important phrase if you're standing out there and the angel of the Lord 
breaks the heavens and says, I do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. First phrase out of God's rescue mission from Luke's gospel is, I bring you good news. Have you ever thought about the difference between advice and news? Advice is like a, it's counsel about something you must do. News is an announcement about what something's already been done. Advice is something that kind of ushers you in to take action upon something, to make something happen. News is a declaration about something that's already happened. Advice says, here's something I need you to do. News says, there is someone or something that's already acted and it's been done. Do you see why it's so significant that the angel splits the heavens and says to the shepherds, I've got some really good advice to you. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I got good news. Christmas is a declaration and proclamation of what God has already done. Tonight's announcement is God has done. God has acted. God has broken through. God has come near in Jesus. And so the angel says, I've got good news. It's a declaration of what God's already done. And so Christmas, here's the act of faith. Christmas is about a believing step of faith in an act that's occurred in history. Jesus came when Caesar Augustus was reigning, when Quirinius was governor, when there was a census. This actually occurred. The shepherds actually heard this. And the angels are saying, I want to tell you something that God's doing. And now 2,000 years later, we rehearse that story and say, hey, tonight we get to announce good news that brings great joy. That God has come, the Son of God has become the Son of Man. Light has entered the darkness. It's not just good advice, it's way more than good advice. It's really, really good news. And then he builds upon it now, stay with me. Verse 11 and following. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. So get this, the shepherds are just doing what normal shepherds do out in the night doing their evening chores. One angel shows up, begins to speak, has a dialogue, I've got really good news. And then a whole host of others. What must that have been like? You talk about shepherds just change, whatever their agenda was for that night, it's all changing right now. A whole host come, and they've got a glorious announcement. Look what they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The first phrase of God's rescue mission is, I got some really good news. The second phrase is glory, glory to God in the highest. You know that word glory? It's kind of a Bible word. And here's what glory means. It means a resplendent majesty or a resplendent beauty or magnificent. When the Bible, when the Bible uses the term glory, it's, it's referring to this, this weight, this authority, this power of God to displace things. When the glory of God shows up, it displaces stuff. You know that, right? It has the ability to move things. And so the angels are announcing glory to God in the highest. And when the heavens are splitting and this Christ child is entering the manger through the womb of the Virgin Mary, this glory, it's moving stuff. 
Believe you me, Herod is being moved. Are you with me? He thought he's running the whole kingdom there. Guess what? There's a child on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And Herod, your whole life, your whole sphere of power and authority, it's being moved. It's being displaced by the glory of God. It's what Moses encountered when he was standing on the banks of the Red Sea. You remember the story, Exodus 14? The Israelites have been freed out of Egypt. They're staring at an uncrossable body of water, the Red Sea. And on the, on the other horizon, they're hearing the hoofs of the horses and the chariots of the Egyptian army who had second thoughts about letting them go. And now they're coming after them, all guns blazing. And the people of God are saying to Moses, what did you lead us out here to die? We got an uncrossable body of water on this side. We got an angry army on that side. And then what does God say? Moses, stand on the banks of the water and stretch out your staff. And at that moment, what happened, church? The glory of God fell on the Red Sea. And displaced the waters. And it turned into dry ground. And the children of Israel walked through. And then just as soon as the Egyptians thought, hey, that looks like a nice path. I'm coming and following that. Guess what happened then? The glory of God fell again and displaced the waters and put them back the way they needed to be. Glory to God in the highest. It's a resplendent beauty. It's a majesty that when it falls among us, when it enters our lives, it displaces things. It's what Joshua encountered in Joshua 6. Remember that story? Walking up to the gates of Jericho. God said, hey, Jericho's yours. And Jericho was surrounded by a 26-foot high wall. Six feet wide, brick and mortar. And not the most welcoming people on the inside. And God said, hey, that's yours, your city. And then God said, here's the plan. He didn't go to the military leaders. He went to the pastors. He said, hey, pastors, go get the Ark of the Covenant. And I want you to start marching around the walls of Jericho with the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of the Lord. And hey, pastors, priests, you go out there and lead that once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you keep leading the whole procession. And on the seventh day, on the seventh lap around the city, you blow the horn and you give a great shout. And they did. And the glory of God fell among it and shattered the bricks and the mortar. And the walls fell and the people entered in. That's a resplendent beauty. That's a majesty. That's when the Bible uses, when the angel says glory to God in the highest, do you feel the weight of what's being communicated there? It has the power to displace stuff. And I don't know what Christmas Eve this year finds you staring at, but is there some stuff in your life that you look at and go, I, I need God, I need God to move some things. There's some of you that have gone through a year of 2016, and you'd put it in the category of, I never thought I'd live a year like that year. I never thought I'd be able to get through what I ended up going through. And you're staring at a mountain of grief, maybe. You said goodbye to some loved ones that you never imagined saying goodbye to at this time of your life. You're staring at some despair, some strands of hopelessness and depression, and you need the glory of God to come and displace that. And fill it with hope and healing and grace. And some others of you, you're walking through a Christmas season and you got, you, there's so much uncertainty in your life. You've got, so, you got far more questions than you have answers for some big issues in your life. And you need the glory of God to come and displace anxiety and fear 
and feeling of everything out of control. And that God's glory can come. and He can bring a sense of, hey, I'm with you. He can bring his wisdom. He can bring his counsel. He can bring his guidance. He can deepen your roots of faith and increase your trust in him. You need the glory of God to come. Or some others of you have been on the receiving end of such hurt and betrayal in your life this past year that you know in your heart of hearts you've begun to internalize some of that offense and that hurt and that anger's become frozen over and it's become resentment and you need the glory of God to show up and you need to melt away that frozen anger. You need to replace that resentment with what? With forgiveness and grace and a new beginning. God can do that. Do you see when the angel announced and when the gathering around the manger, when they looked into the face of that Christ child, do you know what happened at that moment? The scale of resplendent magnificence. Do you know the scale of magnificence? It shifted on this night. There was a scale of magnificence before Jesus entered the world. It just got recalibrated tonight. There's a new top end of the scale of magnificence. It says, come and look in the face of this Christ child through the womb of the Virgin Mary. God has come near in Jesus. See the glory of God show up there and watch it move and displace. It has the power, it has the authority to displace what needs to be displaced in any of our lives, individually and collectively. So it's really, really good news. God's rescue mission. It's amazing news. It's not just good advice. It's good news. And the news is a glory to God in the highest that has the authority to move some stuff. And then notice the first thing it moves. Follow in the scripture there. What does it say in verse 14? Glory to God in the highest. What's the first thing announced on the heels of that glory? Peace. You think we need a good dose of that going on in our world today? Peace. We got no shot at the kind of peace we all long for without the Prince of Peace. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth. This is the third phrase for God's rescue mission. You see, peace is a bringing back together what sin has fractured. Because you know, sin has fractured everything in the whole human experience together. There's not one aspect of our humanity in this world that's not been contaminated with the fingerprints of sin. It's affect our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with the world. You want an explanation for the news feed? Scrolling across your phone day after day, it's sin. Sin has fractured. Sin has broken. The Bible declares sin as death and darkness. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. That's Ephesians 2. Dead in your transgression and sin. Where's the hope? But God in his mercy made you alive with Christ. Hallelujah for that. While we were spiritually flatlined, he sent Christ. Christ came to save. That's the rescue mission. Do you know when you become really interested in a rescue? When you recognize you're in a category of desperation. I need some help. Well, you know what would be a good definition of desperation? You're dead in your transgression and sin. I got no ability to save myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. God's got to do something. And tonight says God did something. He came in Christ, and he begins to put back together, to mend back together what sin has fractured. You see, sin brings death and darkness. How about Isaiah 9, what the Kniff family read earlier? 
A people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Do you know that Isaiah wrote that 700 years before the Messiah entered the manger in Bethlehem? 700 years. A people walking in darkness. There's a day coming. They're going to see a great light. And here we are, 2,000 years on this side, and we look back, and the light has come. Christ has come. And the point of that is what? He begins to bring back together, to mend back together what sin has fractured. You see, Christmas brings the light and life to begin to push back the death and the darkness of sin. That's what Christmas does. Christmas is all about light and life. And it's a rescue mission. It's God saying, hey, I'm coming for you. I'm not giving up on you. God said, I'm coming to save, I'm coming to heal, I'm coming to restore. So 18 months ago, the Simpson household got a new family member. Here's a picture of our new family member. His name is Ollie. Those of you who have been around Eagle a long time, you know that I flat out caved. Because I said for years, no way, shape, or form are we ever going to get a pet of any sort, certainly not a dog, no way... And then Kaylin, our 12-year-old, she began to pray. <laughs> Doggone it. <laughs> she began to pray, and she said she prayed for like three years. Boy, how'd that make me feel? Three years. Like, Dad, almost every day for three years, I prayed. What did you pray, honey? Oh, God, please change Dad's heart. <laughs> Help him see that we should get a dog. And then wouldn't you know it, God wins. Kalen wins, kids win, I lose, I caved. He's a Shishan, a Bijan and a Shih Tzu. They call them teddy bear puppies. It's a big ball of fur. When many of you have asked me, like, how's it going? I said, Ollie, he's a boatload of work and a boatload of fun. Bounces around with joy. Well, one of the things we haven't been very good at figuring out how to train him in we trained him in several things, but we haven't figured out how to train him to not run away. So I'm sure you've got a lot, those of you experienced dog owners, you can leave your three-point outline with Kendra. That would be really helpful for us, but stay with me here for a minute. So Ollie, we think we could have called him Bolt, because as soon as he gets a crack in any door, any slight option of escape, he's gone. He's like a white streak, just boom. So one morning, I'm getting ready for work, and I'm just like, I'm just ready to run out the door. I'm like, I should let Ollie out right before I go. All the work clothes on. We have a little puppy pen in the back, you know, those little small gates. We got it right up close to the sliding glass door, so minimal escape route. You know what I'm talking about? And so you know where this is going, right? It's one of those mornings like this morning, a little misty and wet, and Ollie does his business. Then I crack the door open, and he starts stepping in, and he looks to the left, and he looks up at me, and it's, I mean, he's so darn fast. As soon as I'm like, nobody, and he saw the crack in my legs, and boom, right between my legs, and like a white streak across the backyard. I take off running across the backyard and it's mud and it's wet and it's flying all over my pants, my shoes and Ollie's just, he's gone. I'm like, I'm running as fast as I can. I can't catch him. But then he, he stops, he lays down. <laughs> yeah, you know, he lays down. <laughs> just like that, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. He's gonna let me just chill out, Ollie. Dad's coming. I get about four feet from him. What does he do? I get like that, and he jumps up, boom, he's gone again. He's got this game going, right? 
It's a big old game to him. I'm I'm traipsing through the neighbors like decks and backyards and patios. Here's Pastor Eric just kind of running around people's houses like this. And finally, our neighbor Becky comes out and she clearly sees I'm in over my head on this issue. And she gets out her back door and she just says, hey, Ollie, it's Becky. Come here, Ollie, come here. And he turns, he hears her voice and he goes like a bolt right to her, just jumps right into her arms. I stood there, covered in mud. I must confess to you, the first thoughts going through my head right now were not very pastoral. Not pastoral at all. I kind of sheepishly walk over to Becky. I thank her for her help. She hands me Ollie. He's just looking at me with those puppy eyes. And I grabbed his face and I kind of thrust it up towards mine. And I'm walking across the backyard, and I say to him, I said, buddy, why do you want to run away? Dad doesn't understand. We feed you, we care for you, we water you, we give you a warm place to sleep, we play with you. Why do you want to run away? He didn't say anything back, you know? It's not like the secret life of pets story here, right? This is not, he just looked with those puppy eyes and cocked his head and I literally got maybe five paces past that little dialogue I had with him and I felt like the Lord saying, hey Simpson, how many times we had that conversation? Oh. I set Ollie down and Drove to the office and I thought about, boy, how many times in my life I had my face and my whole body dead set turned 180 degrees from the Lord and he just kept coming for me. You know what Christmas is? Christmas is God traipsing through the backyard of our lives and saying, hear me now, saying, hey, I don't care where you've wandered. I don't care how long you've wandered there. I don't care how far you've gone. I'm coming for you. I'm not giving up on you. My grace is sufficient for you. Christmas says there isn't anybody that can outrun God. God came so near, he clothed himself in human flesh. He's like, hey, I'll let this human race know how much he's pursuing us. He becomes one of us. And he starts traipsing through the backyard of our lives. And you know and well as I know. And he gets his arm around us and he scoops us up and he looks us in the face. And he says, hey, buddy, why do you keep running away? I care for you. I provide for you. I love you. Why don't you just come home? And so here's how we're going to wrap this up. Austin's going to come up and lead us through a song that um, I think just gives us a few minutes to reflect on decision time. And I want to look at kind of three different groups here. As Austin sings through the song, I want you to think of his song as kind of like 
Luke 2 set to lyrics and music. And at the end of the song, I'll lead us through a prayer. And maybe tonight you're in the group that you know you've been running a long time and you've gone a long way. And maybe tonight says, you know God's come for you. And tonight he scoops you up in his arms and he says, hey, it's time to come home. You can come home tonight. All you gotta do is say, Jesus, save me, I wanna come home. Or maybe it's, I wanna come back home. Maybe you are here and you remember times when you were more dialed in spiritually, in step with the Lord, living in step with the Spirit, nearness to Christ. You remember those times and and tonight is one of those moments where you know you've kind of wandered away and it's a time to come back home. You know you can come back. Do you know anytime you turn your face towards the Father, you always know his face has been turned towards you in love? That's what Christmas says. Or thirdly, maybe you've come tonight and if you're really honest, there's some stuff going on and you need the glory of God to fall on your heart in such a way and displace some stuff. Do you know he can do that tonight? He can set some things right because God's rescue mission is really, really good news. It's glory to God in the highest and it's peace. He can mend back together what sin has fractured and splintered apart. So I want you to reflect on a decision point and at the end of this song, I'll lead us in a prayer of response. Maybe the tide turns for you tonight, right now. Maybe tonight you just want to be honest. If you've been wandering and running and hiding for whatever reason, and tonight you hear loud and clear that God has not given up on you. He's coming for you. His grace is sufficient. All you got to do is call out and say, Jesus, save me. I want to come home. Forgive me, heal me, pour out your spirit upon me. Or maybe it's a coming back home for some of you. You've tasted, you've been, you remember the times and tonight you just want to confess and say there's been maybe too much distraction or apathy or whatever and you've just drifted a long way from where you want to be and you can just come back. All you got to do is turn around and come back. His grace is sufficient. Just come back home. And then there are still others where God right now just needs your glory to fall on some hearts and displace some things to melt away restore and heal bring your life and your hope and your light mend back together what sin is fractured apart
thank you for this unbelievable rescue mission that you initiated. Thank you that when we were dead in transgression and sin, you sent Christ for us. Thank you that when we were walking in darkness, a light has come. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for being son of God and son of man. Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. We worship you. We say glory to God in the highest. We worship you. In Christ's name, amen.